Shalom, everybody. Welcome to another Pulse of Israel episode here from our ancestral and eternal homeland. You got the beautiful Judean hills. It's not the re it's, it's the picture of the real one, but I am very happy to be able to talk right now for a very inspirational talk with Rachel Moore. Shalom, Rachel. Hi, Avi. Thanks for having me on. It is it is a real pleasure, and I just wanted to to let everyone know whether I mean I, I I just wrote on Facebook that you have an unbelievable life story how I've known you for years but I I never knew your life story and the funny thing is actually how I found out about your life story uh, for those who are not familiar uh, you just lost your father just a number of weeks ago I think it two three weeks ago correct right and and yeah, about two and, two and a half weeks two and a half weeks okay. And um, I just reached out to you on WhatsApp, um, not knowing that you were sitting Shiva, that your father just died, just reached out on WhatsApp. Rachel would love to schedule a Zoom interview with you. I've been thinking about it for a long time. And you said, sorry, Avi, right now my father just died and I'm sitting Shiva. And I felt horrible. <laughs> horrible. Your crystal ball was not working that day. Right, right, crystal ball, right? <laughs> but that whatsapp to you while you were sitting shiva turned out to be in a sense a shiva visit because uh, you started telling me all about your father in, in whatsapp uh your father your life with your father the 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 journey you took and the conflict and then re reconciliation with your father like unbelievable i felt like i was having a shiva visit with you even though it was just on whatsapp so again i apologize for for that weird communication during your shiva not necessary. But um, I just was 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 oh, like mind blown by your story. So would you mind sharing uh, sharing what what's sure. your story, Rachel? And I'll just tell you right around the time that WhatsApp came in, you know, I had been told, okay, like you know, you're gonna start sitting because of course it's not immediate, um, and you're not gonna be doing anything for a week. Like you're not taking care of the house, you're not taking care of the kids, and you're not taking care of work. And I, it took me a full day to figure out how exactly who was going to do nothing for a week. I really, so and this is also I, during Corona where no one can visit either. Right. So it, it turned out, you know, I joke that he spoiled me my whole life. And even in terms of his timing, we had small numbers of people who could come outside in masks. It was like the first week that people could do that. And so with, you know, two, three people at a time outside and people stayed because they hadn't, had a social visit so long, right? That they that they stayed, and that was really nice. And I have a, a new appreciation for just how valuable shiva can be when it's done right. The Jewish process of taking that focus time and yes, stopping everything to really um, think about the pieces of this person in your life and how you want to honor them, how you want to honor their memory, and what you want to take with you. Um, really, it really does the work that it's supposed to do. Uh, it's been quite amazing. Um, so what I started to tell you was that I grew up in Connecticut in what I have since our conversation learned was the wealthiest county in Connecticut. Wow. And like the second wealthiest town in the county. Okay. So if you can imagine, it was a very affluent place with almost no Jews. I didn't know Jews. I didn't see Jews. I certainly didn't know anyone who was religious. Um, Israel wasn't something I think I heard about until I was 
at least in elementary school and maybe before you before you continue i yeah. just want to know i i know you because you are a neighbor of mine here in the gush Etzion area of the judean hills uh, a, a mother of eight a, a religious woman a religious family and a religious community here in gush Etzion. so just giving people's perspective now hearing of where you came from please continue absolutely and for it's interesting because i assumed if i ever encountered people back from this life in Fairfield County, Connecticut, that they would think I was an alien. You know, what do you mean you're religious? And what do you mean you live in the Judean Hills and you moved to Israel and you became Orthodox? And what does that even mean? And instead, they said exactly the opposite. Of course you did. And that's because relative to everybody there, I was the most Jewish person they knew. So in their mind, I was like already, you know, so incredibly Jewish. That's so funny. Anyway, my, 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 I was very close to my father. I have two brothers. I was the only girl. Um, my, I'm a fifth generation American. My father was born in America. His father was born in America. His grandfather was born in America. And everyone was in Boston. So I grew up in this place in Connecticut with no Jews being told I was from the Jewish community of Boston. Um, and, that's, and that's how we were raised. But I think and my parents grew up very, sec very, very secular, both of my parents, and very culturally Jewish. I think they took their Judaism for granted. I think it was easy to be culturally Jewish in what I call the shtetl in Boston. Um, their families knew each other, you know, and they they had friends in common. It was a, it was a small, tight knit community of Jews who, again, who it it didn't revolve around religion per se, um, and. <laughs> as I started to get older and my social life started to be a factor in my life as a young adult, um, it concerned my parents a great deal. I think all of a sudden, as we started to get a little older, they started thinking about how Judaism was not going to be a factor in our lives. Mm. Um, they joined a conservative temple in Connecticut, which um, for them meant mixed seating. It meant prayers in English. It meant you came when you wanted to come. You could drive, we had to drive there. It was 20 minutes by car, 20 minutes by car. Okay, I can't even imagine. It was three towns over just to get to a synagogue. Um, and I think for them, they found that this was the new answer. American conservative Judaism meant that they could have their cake and eat it too. And my father continued to be incredibly successful professionally in Manhattan. Um, he was the director of international auditing standards at Ernst & Young. Oh, wow. Arthur Young and then Ernst & Young. So he was really at the top of his career, working in the international office in New York, traveling a lot. Um, and this allowed him to make Judaism in his life where he could find time. And for my parents, it was such a wonderful solution because the house could be rich and warm and Jewish. And they could enjoy all of what they had in their outside secular life the way that they wanted. And not make um, any changes, no, no compromises. They for, for me, and I think it's because the contrast was so much more stark growing up where I did than, than in their shtetl, um, it felt like we had one life in the house and another life outside. And I had a very different perspective than they did. Um, everybody where I grew up in Weston, for the most part, was welcoming. It was a very liberal community, like very, very heavily Democrat, very liberal, um, very open-minded. But it didn't change the fact that I was being allowed to be an American, that I was allowed to be a guest, that 
there was a, you know, we, we were humored by having a Hanukkah song in the Christmas pageant in the public school. So I had every freedom. I didn't really encounter a lot of anti-Semitism. I didn't live in a place with a lot of crime. Um, I lived in a place, you know, where people were very educated and polite to your face, at least. But, um, but at the same time, it was very clear that I was a guest. I was a Jewish guest that was allowed at the Christian table that is the United States of America. And um, to their credit, you know, my, my father pushed back on that a lot and said, don't take the blessings and freedoms of America for granted. Um, there's a democracy here and we work within the system. So much so that in public school, um, I had a teacher that gave out a piece of paper in history class. He sent it home with us saying that the Jews killed Jesus. Oh my God. And I came to my father like all, you know, is this true? And I never heard about this. And his response was to join the Board of Education. And that says a lot about him. And I think it's part of what you wanted me to talk about. I learned very young that if you're unhappy with things, you get involved. You get involved in your community. You become an activist. You stand up. You speak out um, in a way that's not fearful and sometimes isn't popular um, in order to do what's right. And he, and he did that. You know, he believed in the system and he got involved and he did bring change. Um, while I was growing up, my parents were embracing the conservative movement. My father ended up getting involved on the um, regional level as vice president and president of, of the Connecticut Valley region of United Synagogue, and then eventually became on the board of the national movement of United Synagogue. Wow. So again, it wasn't just that he found a solution for him and he felt for his kids. But he he put himself out there. And despite how busy he was with his career, he really got involved. And I think he had a tremendous amount of optimism that this was a way for him to really give his kids a strong Jewish identity while staying actively engaged in the American life that he believed in. So fast forward many, many years. Um, neither of my brothers have children. <laughs> neither one of them is actively participating in a conservative synagogue in any way. And I have nothing to do with the conservative movement other than my connections to friends from back then and a tremendous amount of appreciation for what I came from and the experiences that I came from. But it's not it's not how I choose to live my life. In that so, one sentence, you basically just explained the uh, the, the state of conserv American conservative jury. The successful ones become orthodox. And many others drop all affiliation to Jewish, active Jewish lifestyle. And it's very hard for them to stay relevant. And my, and my perception of conservative Judaism was a little skewed because my father was so involved on the national level and the regional level, and we were so involved in USY, the people I knew in, in the conservative movement, many of them were keeping Shabbat, they were keeping kosher, they were learning Torah regularly. They were from Jews who passionately believed in the conservative movement. And it was only, through growing up, I started to see that they were unfortunately the minority, that what I was around was sort of the conservative elite. Some of those people have gone on to become incredibly um, inspiring leaders and rabbis if, of communities in the conservative movement in the States because they were already leaders, even when they were young, they were really at the forefront and, and the most involved. Um, and, they, and they continue to be and doing things that are very impressive. But um, it wasn't just that this was a good answer for my parents. 
this became a life involving the amount of time and energy that he put into giving to the community and changing. Um, when, when my parents costured the house, my grandparents got upset. So that was my father taking the first step and sort of making that stand. So was that him costuring the house for you or, or for, for them? No. They costured the house when I was about 10. Oh. Um, I have memories of like lobster on the floor before it got cooked, before the house oh became lobster. Yeah, it was a pretty dramatic change. Um, and they continued to not eat kosher outside of the house. Eventually, my father stopped eating um, meat and shellfish out in non-kosher restaurants, which in his for his career was huge. It was absolutely huge for him not to have steak. Try to imagine when, when you know, he's talking to the head of Reebok, that's a that's an accounting client, and taking these people out to dinner, you know, and 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 the Patriots and, and the Celtics, okay, and not, you know, and and not doing as everyone does for him was a huge demonstration of Jewish pride and sticking to his ideals right. in his way, within his right. framework. Um, after high school, I came to Israel. I, I'm sorry, I'm going to back up a little bit. I came to Israel. My parents moved back to Boston. My back. My parents moved to Boston when I was 16. I think they had gotten disillusioned from Connecticut. They were ready for a move. And mostly my four, thank God, my four grandparents were in Boston and getting older and not able to do everything on their own the same way anymore. So they moved. I was 16. It was a terrible time to move. Mm -hmm. And I decided to deal with the problem by going to Israel for two months with USY. So here I am in Hoda Sharon on this program in Israel for two months. I knew nothing about Israel. I knew nothing about how Judaism was practiced in Israel. And it was in some ways wonderful because I didn't have any stereotypes to get over. There was, I didn't have any preconceived notions. Um, and I absolutely fell in love with the country. And I fell in love with the country in a way that was really not terribly intellectual and thought out and logical. It was just like falling in love. It was completely emotional and I was love stricken and didn't want to be anywhere else and felt at home. All of the rest of the understanding of why my neshama felt that way came later. But I went home and told my parents I was going back to Israel for a year and they said, absolutely not. Yeah. We'll become too religious and you'll want to live there. And I said, that will never happen. Um, and I said, I will come with the conservative movement. There was never really a thought that I would do anything else. That was our home. Right. So I came back to Israel on the Nativ program. It was an incredible program. And in addition to getting up every morning for, for prayers, um, we and going to classes at Hebrew University, we sat and we learned. We learned Gemara. Um, we learned Halakha. We, we were learning Torah. We were learning and understanding not only of our heritage, but of what made the conservative movement conservative. And that was done to turn us into the future leaders. And it did that for some, but it just filled me with questions. And it helped me understand intellectually the feeling that I had been missing, why the things that bothered me bothered me. And then we moved as part of the program, we moved to Kibbutz um, and I saw this kibbutz in the middle of nowhere, modern Orthodox kibbutz, fantastic place. 
that welcomed us. There was no conservative kibbutz that was established enough for us to go there. So they brought us to somewhere that was very modern Orthodox. And I saw consistency. I saw the polar opposite of the wonderful trappings of affluent Fairfield County, Connecticut. It was a farm. It was poor. It was a kibbutz. People weren't tied to wealth. But aside from that, the farmers and their dungarees would come in for a snack at 10 and talk a little Torah because there was no difference between being out in the dirt and sitting with your book and learning or going to eat lunch meant blessings. There, there was, there was no, we're doing childcare now and now we're in prayer in our fancy clothes where the kids stay away because it's sterile. Everything was combined. Everything was consistent and together. The life was consistently Jewish. And that was incredible for me. Um, so now I'm coming home to my father, who I'm very, very close with, who's very ideological, who's become a leader in his career and a leader in the conservative movement, who's invested his time and energy in making change for his family so they have a Jewish future in America. And I come home at 19 and say, Dad, there's no future for Judaism in America. Maybe not now and maybe not tomorrow, but the future of Judaism is in Israel. And I have to be keeping God's laws. I need the book and I need the people and I need the land. Wow. And that means I have to be observant and I have to be there. And I, I, at least initially, I think I broke his heart. I think I broke his heart. Um, it, was, it was an incredible blow for both of my parents. Um, I had a Jewish religious leader in the conservative movement that I was very, very close to turn to me and say, I'm so disappointed. And I remember my thought at the time, I'm 19. I'm not in jail. I'm not on drugs. I'm not breaking Shabbat. And you're disappointed. And what does that say about the priorities here and what matters? And it was, it was disappointing for me, but it was, it was very telling. Um, and my parents stayed, kept an open mind. They welcomed me anyway. They didn't like it, <laughs> but they saw the choices that I made. And I think for them, there were a lot of things that they learned. One of the overtime, one of them was that, um, I was not, and I told them this at 19, I think they were shocked that I left the rebellious teenager back in Israel. And I said, I'm really not rejecting everything that you are and everything that you've built. I'm just taking it to the next level. You chose to live your life based on what's right and not what's comfortable and to live your life based on Judaism and meaning. And I've just had to find a truth that's further what along. Judaism that. and, um, and truth, like you had to live your truth. And I have to do that too. I'm just taking it to my, for my truth and my reality to a step that's further than you want me to. Um, and the, there was a lot of sort of questioning and it was also hard for, you know, my, the grandparents I still had. Um, and a lot of things happened over time. They were, they were concerned that the orthodoxy I was embracing was the Boston shtetl, very rigid, not inclusive of women, only doing what your Rob says, sort of um, very Yiddish orthodoxy. That was the only orthodoxy they'd ever known. 
they didn't know of a vibrant, thriving, modern orthodoxy with education and access for women and um, room for, for, the, for various opinions and, and the amount of learning that's available in English. It's just, they, they, they didn't know anything about it. Um, they were very reassured when I met my husband because he was secular, he had a secular education, he was polite, he spoke to him, but I think over time it was a combination of them seeing the notion of kibud afa'im, of honoring your parents, the true honor that came from the natural progression of keeping all of the mitzvot, and not just for me, but eventually from having grandchildren combined with seeing what was around them, seeing the erosion of respect one human to another across the American culture. I'm sorry to say, it's not really just about Jewish culture. Right. Um, they saw their family members, you know, their extended family and their cousin's generation not having Jewish grandchildren. If they had children at all, if there were grandchildren at all, um, if they had grandchildren and they happened to be Jewish, not having a Jewish education, um, they saw how many people left the movement. Um, and I think it's very much to my father's credit. I, I, I don't think it's just a question of seeing the way the world and history unfolded, but I also think it was really hard work on his part to find a middle ground where we could honor and celebrate Judaism together and, and keep that, that family relationship intact. Um, we worked hard at it and he worked hard at it. And um, ultimately, I think the children became this incredible glue because when he passed, he knew that they're his legacy. They're his legacy. You're giving me, give me goosebumps. And I think he sees that we raised them to be thoroughly Zionist and thoroughly proud and thoroughly Jewish and to never forget that being American citizens is a blessing. And, you know, that they know that we don't celebrate Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving. We celebrate it on Friday nights because I'm not cooking for 10 people two nights in a row if I don't have to. That's just ridiculous. But um, but that we stop for a moment and say, we, we were lucky. Everything that I have and everything that I bring, even my passionate ability to articulate on behalf of Israel in English is a result of the blessings of what I had in the United States and that my children need to understand that that's a privilege. Um, and that, you know, to, to have citizenship in the, in the country that is a friend to Israel today is not small, it's not nothing. Um, and that they're, you know, they're ambassadors with both languages for a reason. So I think, he, I think it's wonderful that he was able to see all of that and appreciate it in his lifetime. Um, it's the Shiva process has definitely for me been a means of coming to understand how much my own compulsion to speak my mind or make a difference comes from him and comes from the way that I was raised and, and grew up. Um, and now of course is the next piece, which is how do we, how do we find the best ways to honor his memory and, you know, keep a piece of him with everything that we're doing here. Um, Avi, I, I had told you this story and I don't want to forget to mention it. Um, when my father retired, he bought an English Hebrew Talmud. He bought an art school Talmud because it had English in it. And he was going to try to sit and learn Daf Yomi. He was going to try to learn from it every day. 
And of course, because of the career that he'd had, it took about five minutes for um, accounting firms to ask him if he would please come back part-time as a consultant. And the supposed retirement never really happened because um, he, he ended up testifying um, as an accountant in like the largest corporate settlement cases in the world, um, you know, because of the illustrious career that he'd had before that. So he didn't really retire and he didn't get to do it very much. But when he found out that he was sick, which was already about three years ago, he, um, they started the process of selling their house. And when they sold their house, he mailed this entire Talmud in five huge cardboard boxes in the US, US Postal Service mailed them to Israel. He shipped the entire thing here. And it was really expensive to ship. <laughs> it's, and I'm taking the boxes from the post office and I'm crying and the neighbors are trying to figure out what's going on. And he wanted his grandchildren to be learning from his Talmud in, in Israel, in Yeshiva. And I don't think people understand, like here is this leader of the conservative movement who who believed that was the right thing for Jews in America to be American Jews with a daughter who is now Orthodox. And yet towards the end of his life, he decided to embrace the study of Talmud. And can you just go into that a second? Like he, he, did he become closer to Orthodoxy or respect it more, respect you more? Or what happened there with, with, with regards to that conservative versus Orthodox uh, tension? Or was there no tension anymore? You know, it's interesting when when they did sort of a little bit of like an online memorial service because everything with Corona made funerals oh crazy. And my husband actually said um, that one of the things that he appreciated the most about my father was that he never stopped working on himself. And I think and a lot of other people talked about his accomplishments. They talked about his character and they talked about who he was as a person, his menschlichkeit and his leadership and his accomplishments in his career and his accomplishments in the community. And here's my husband talking about his, his midot, his constant chuba as a person, um, which was very connected to his humility despite the amount that he did. And I think that's what it was. I don't think he, 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 never, he never decided that orthodoxy was for him. He never got into deep theological discussions with me about it. He wasn't interested. He made room and respected my choices. I think he came to understand them as um, fluid steps on a, on a path that's the same as opposed to different, you know, completely different places and completely separate. Um, and that's tremendous. I know that he did, you know, he, he really enjoyed um, later, he, would, he got tapes of barrel lines. And I think that Jewish history was like a great bridge for him in a way to sort of um, come in and he he would still appreciate you know Rabbi Tolishkin and talking about how we speak and our, our morality first and foremost but that was the original goal the conservative movement the history of the conservative that I learned was that it was meant to be a bridge it was meant to be a way for people to come back in the face of the enlightenment to, you know, to keep some of what they wanted and what they needed, but to give them a way back into the book right. and, and, and find, you know, find their, their way back to Torah study. Um, and I, I think it would be wonderful if we, if we saw more of that. I think there are a lot of creative efforts being made. I am, because of my background, it has made it very easy for me to work with organizations and people 
uh, Jews from all walks of life with very different observance than mine and, and who are passionately, passionately Jewish. Being Jewish is a very important part of their life, regardless of their choice, their relationship to Jewish law, which is different from mine. And, and there are a lot of people who spend a lot of time and energy expressing their Jewish identity. And, and I certainly don't think that it's nothing. And I continue to, to, to see it all around me. I think it was important for my father to see that I continue to respect that. That was also a part of the growth because I think, unfortunately, not everybody in the Orthodox world does. I think um, there are people say, you know, either you believe that the Torah is from God or you don't. And, and, and I understand that position. But I, like I said, I see a lot of people like my father who are very passionate about their Judaism, who've made tremendous sacrifices in their lives for Jewish identity. Um, without necessarily having the, the relationship with halacha that I do. And, and, and I think that's our mission, meaning the challenge is to make halacha exciting and to, not to make it exciting, but to reveal how exciting it is to, you know, make that truth accessible to people in a way that, that um, is authentic for them and makes people feel welcome. And, and it, you know, it's, I, I tell my kids all the time, if God wanted my story to be written differently, I could have been born Orthodox. So, you know, and it might have been a little less interesting, but but certainly easier. There's a reason I'm supposed to take all that with me. There's a reason I'm supposed to take what my you know my parents gave me with me. Right, right. But listen, first of all, I, I I didn't have a chance to tell you this, but my father was a leader in the U.S. My movement growing up. Right, so he was a leader of the conservative movement, and he. Became, he and his family went closer to orthodoxy later on, right? He brought me and my siblings up as orthodox Jews. Not only that, when he became a Jew, he was an educator and he was a high school principal. And he used to try to come to Israel and bring us as children to Israel as much as possible in the summers. So he used to do that by getting jobs as leaders of summer programs. So he dealt with adult education. So it's for unaffiliated Jews who wanted to learn about Judaism. So he used to have trips in the summer to bring them to Israel. And then one summer... He led a USY group. I forgot heritage it was called, whatever it is. He led a USY group. And I, I was a kid. I must have been 10, 11 years old at the time. So I remember experiencing a summer in Israel with a group of USYers. I was an 11-year-old. But already from that age, I was learning through my father's story and through these USYers that I started yeah. to learn and become friends with. The successful the, the success stories of the conservative movement became orthodox. Some of them became leaders in, conservative, in the conservative world, but the real successful ones were really serious, ended up becoming orthodox, and the rest just didn't have much of a connection. But your, your, your story is, 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 is so moving and, and so real, and I think it touches so many people, and I'm, I'm glad uh, you, you've given the opportunity to share it, and I think it's beautiful that your children, your sons, and, and, and your whole family will have the opportunity to use your your father's Talmud to, to study Torah. That's just like, wow, on, on so many levels. If I move like behind you, let's see if I go this way, you can see it behind me. That's like some of it right there. That's so. beautiful. That's so really, Rachel, thank you so, so much for, for sharing. Um, I hope we get to talk again. Listen. Uh, uh, with everything you're doing, Avi, really. Thank you so much. But I'm, I'm really, another thing that you, you touched a chord with me I'm very passionate about reaching out to each and every Jew. Every, every, I mean, every person, every Jew has a spark in them. And, and for the Jewish people, every Jew has that spark to strengthen their Jewish identity. And personally, I have a big beef with 
many of, uh, of, of the rabbinic leaders and lay leadership of the of, of conservative reform, unaffiliated movement of American Jewry, who I think are doing, doing a disservice to, to so many Jews in America that there's so much, for, for, it doesn't make a difference about religious level. I don't tell people how religious to be, but there's so much to be proud of in your Jewish identity, so much to be proud of in Israel, and unfortunately so many uh, conservative reform rabbis and lay leaders in America are just taking the Jewish community in such a different direction and, and weakening their Jewish identity and weakening their, their pride in, in Israel. Um, I would love to continue this and do more videos will touch on topics of that we think for conservative reform unaffiliated Jews from your experience and your background what we can talk about to to give them to give them tools tools direction to learn on their own and strengthen themselves regardless of what how affiliated they are or what con congregation they go to or what their rabbis are telling them but here we have the ability to reach everyone on their smartphone and their and their living room love to touch upon these issues with you Hebrew that's what we're talking about Hebrew language next time you make the time, because it's all connected. It's part of the story, okay? You got it, Rachel. The next one is Hebrew. All right. You let me know. Amazing. All right. Thank everyone, you. Uh, first of all, thank you, Rachel. Everyone, thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed. Please share. Rachel's story is so, so touching and so important. And everyone, please you still reach out to Rachel. This is about her father, who just passed away two and a half weeks ago. I'm sure she would appreciate any and all wishes. Um, you definitely have fabulous, beautiful memories of him. Keep his memory and legacy alive through through your children. You are very blessed. And uh, just signing off for another Pulse of Israel from the eternal and ancestral homeland of the Jewish people. Shalom, everyone. Thanks for watching. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.